what last Sunday on these grounds looked like. I appreciate so many of you who helped give candy, uh, donated a trunk, and your time to uh, bless this city. A lot of people who came through said, thank you for doing this again. Our kids really, really needed this, and they were so grateful for the church that you are to them. Uh, this next Sunday night, a week from tonight, 5 o'clock next Sunday, we are doing a Thanksgiving family dinner. We want to invite all of you to be a part of that. Uh, that's a time where we thank you for giving through serving. Thank you for giving to the children's building and the preschool. We're trying to pay that off by the end of December. We still owe 163000 It'll take all of us coming together to do that. And we want to thank you for being a part of that these last three years. So please, please register. The meal is free. You say, well, why do we need to register? We've got to make sure there's enough groceries and enough seats. So we need to know if you're going to be here. You can do that on your church center app or you can do it on a communication card. Also want to invite you, if you can be here on Wednesdays, we meet right in here around dinner tables. We have box meals for two bucks. It's a sandwich, chips, and a drink. You can't beat it. And we are learning how to abide in Christ and Christ's word abiding in us. We'll teach you how to go verse by verse through the scripture. Instead of just reading words on a page, we're going to teach you how to dig in and go one-on-one with God. And so we invite you to be here on Wednesdays. Well, we're digging into God questions. God asks questions, not because he needs information, but because we need to go deeper in some area of our life. And as we look at these God questions in scripture, it's not just to go back and look at historically a question somebody had to answer. It's for God to let that same question penetrate our story as well. Our next question we're going to find is in John chapter five, the gospel of John chapter five. We're going to start in verse one. So we wake up here, Jesus has come back into Jerusalem. It was a time when there was a feast of the Jews. Some believe this was probably Pentecost. And now in Jerusalem, verse 2, by the sheep gate, there was a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. It had five porticos. And in these porticos laid a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, or paralyzed. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool, stirred up the water, and whoever was the first one in after stirring up the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which they were afflicted. So we look in on this setting, this story, we find a unique place here in Jerusalem uh, called the Pool of Bethesda. This portico that was built here was right outside the Sheep Gate. And this gate was one of many gates that Nehemiah, when he rebuilt the city and the walls of the city in 445 BC, there were different gates put all the way around the city at certain key locations. There was uh, the fish gate, there was the horse gate, there was a water gate, and there was even a dung gate. That's right, a dung gate. And that's where they took all the trash and the waste of the city and it was sent out so that they could remain pure inside the walls of the city. But this gate was the sheep gate. It was here that all the sheep would be ushered in at the times of sacrifice. The lambs that were raised for sacrificial worship, many of those in Bethlehem where the Lamb of God would be born. They would be raised to be pure and spotless. They would be raised to be sacrificial lambs, and they would be brought through this gate into the temple for sacrifice. Well, it's interesting that this portico happens to be not behind the dung gate. There's plenty of that in the world, but behind the sheep gate, the pool of Bethesda. That word Bethesda literally means the house of mercy. You probably have heard of the hospital, Bethesda Hospital. 
Uh, it gets its name from Scripture. Bethesda literally means the house of mercy. The house of mercy. And everyone who was gathered there at Bethesda knew that they were coming to a place to receive mercy from God. Today, as you come, maybe you came to church, maybe you came through those doors, but I pray that today you would come through the sheep gate, that you would come to understand that we come to find healing and mercy through the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. While they had looked to years and years of sheep coming through that one gate for sacrifice, innocent lambs that would lose their life to be blood offerings for the sins of the people, Jesus would leave his throne in heaven would come to this earth and would be the Lamb of God that would take away your sin and mine. All these people who needed God's mercy, who needed healing, would gather here at Bethesda, and they were expecting God to heal them. There are a lot of people today that feel like God, that they're deserving of God to do something in their life. God, you better do this, or I won't worship you, or God, I need you to do this, or whatever the need might be, and we are deserving of our healing. But the scripture says what we actually deserve is death. That the wages of sin, our choices, our life journey, our path is not towards God but away from God. And in that, as we sin, the wages of sin is death. We want health, but we have invited death into the human equation. But there is a place. There is a place you can go and you can be made well. There is healing to be found. There is uh, the ability of God to take that which is uh, damning in our lives and destructive in our lives and turn it around and make it brand new. Hebrews 4, verse 16. You don't have to turn there. But it says this. It says, let us approach the throne of grace. It doesn't say the throne of healing, but the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy, Bethesda, and find grace in our greatest time of need. Here's what I know about everyone in this room today. I don't have to have you raise a hand. I don't have to have you come forward. What I know about every one of us in this room today is all of us have an issue of wellness. All of us have an issue where something is not well in our life. Every one of us. How do I know that? Because we live on this same planet. We live on a planet that is contaminated with the consequences of man's sin, and therefore we all have issues. We all have needs for God's healing. Not only us, but take a look at the man in this story. Go back to John 5 and verse 5, and we see the character, the main character of this story. There was a man who also was there at Bethesda, and he had been ill for 38 years years. Now, we don't know how long he's been coming here, but we know that at some point in his journey, he has been so sick and has so many issues that he is now living every day by this pool. 38 years he had been unwell. And he probably thought that's the way the rest of his life was going to be. There may be somebody today you bought into that same lie. Uh, maybe you think this is the way it's always been and this is always the way it's going to be. Maybe you've bought in the lie that says things are not going to get better. I can't get better. This is just who I am. I was born this way. Or this is the way it's been my whole life. And this has been the way it has been in my family tree for generation, generation. This is just our thorn in the flesh. Why don't you understand something? Jesus is in the life-changing business. 
And yes, we may have been born into this world with a certain bent towards sin, with a certain addiction, with a certain habit, with a certain personality, but God loves you too much to leave you in that. Matter of fact, he says, those who are in Christ, the old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. I know from personal experience, I spent a good part of my high school years trying to change myself into a better person, knowing that the things I was pursuing was destroying my life. I'd watch it destroy people in my family. I'd watch people be destroyed in my community. I'd seen it throughout human history, and it was destroying me. And I remember thinking, Lord, I'll start going to church. That'll make it better. I'll start acting like Cammie and other Christians, and I'll start quitting doing this, and I'll start doing that. And what I found is it might work for a day, a week, or a month, but I'd keep running back to the same old thing until my Bethesda, until that moment when I realized I couldn't fix my mess, but there was one who could. Take a look at it, verse 6. Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, do you want to get well? There's your question. Here's the question for today. Do you want to get well? Now, when you look at that question, think about that for a moment. Here's a guy who's been sick for 38 years. He is laying next to this pool of Bethesda. He's got issues, and this crazy rabbi is asking him this foolish question. It's one of those dumb moments, right, where you look at the guy and you're like, are you so out of touch with reality, Rabbi? Do you live in an ivory tower? that you? Of course I want to be made well. That's why I'm here. That's why I've come here every day for these last years, just praying for God's mercy. Of course I want to be well. Well, if Jesus knew he wanted to be well, why would he ask the question? Well, there's a lot more to the question than what you might see. You would expect him to ask a different question, like, Hey, man, can I help you get in the pool first? Or, or, or how long have you been? He didn't ask those kind of questions. He asked a penetrating question. And what have I taught you to do every time God asks a question? When God asks a question, it wasn't because he needed information. It's because somebody else needed information. It's something they needed to learn. Enough that Jesus would investigate into their soul through a question. So what do we do? We stop and we put ourselves in the question. So let me ask you the question. Here it is. God's question to you today. Do you want to be well? Now, I know in the culture in which we live, we would all answer and say, of course I want to be well. But I'm not so sure we're answering the question correctly. If you take a look at the next slide, there are three dimensions to a person's life, three dimensions of wellness. And when we think of well, we think of our physical realm. We think of, I want to be well in my health. I want to be well in my finances. Uh, I want to be well in my relationships because we want to be more comfortable, right? And it's about this physical reality. Well, that's only one dimension of my life. That's the body. That's the physical world. There's two other dimensions to your wellness, the soul and the spirit. What's the difference? A lot of people don't know the difference. Well, the spirit is that part of you that was created in the image of God, that part of you that desires righteousness instead of unrighteousness, desires the sheep gate, not the dung gate. That's the spirit of God in you. But the Bible says because of sin, we're spiritually dead. That's why we need to be born a second time, to be well spiritually. 
If you know much about engines, car engines, they have cylinders. And all those cylinders, some of you may have a four-cylinder, a six-cylinder, an eight-cylinder. Some of you may have a one-cylinder going on, and you got issues. And it doesn't matter if the majority of the cylinders are well. If just one cylinder is not cooperating, the whole engine is sick. And that's true of us. We were created, this being that we are, created in the image of God. God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. You're one person, body, soul, and spirit. And to be well is not just to be well physically, although this guy had a physical issue. He had bigger issues than that. And so do you and so do I. And so the question is not... Do you want to be more comfortable? The question is not, do you need physical healing? We'll deal with all that today. The question is, do you want to be well? It's a much deeper question than it looks like in the beginning. As we go back to that question, it depends on your definition of wellness. If it's just to be healed from paralysis, if it's just to be healed with better eyesight, if it's to be healed because of a disease like my wife is struggling with and her Parkinson's, if that's all we care about, that's all you'll experience in a lifetime. But that doesn't mean you'll be well. But I've noticed that throughout Scripture, you'll see people who wanted to be healed but didn't want a Lord. What you'll find in our own context is there are people who want to be comfortable but don't want to experience a holy calling. What we find is that people want to feel better, but they don't want to be better. And so, yes, we want to be well in this part because I want to be more comfortable, but we're not really concerned about being well as a person and the wholeness of who we are and all that God has for us. This man needed physical healing, but he needed way more than that. And as we look at this story, let's also struggle with the reality of physical wellness. Every person in this room may have somebody or know somebody that needs physical healing of some sort or an issue that is of this physical realm. And I want you to understand God is a healer. This is what we know. What I don't want you to do is draw your theology from life experience or from somebody else's story or from your own. There are a lot of people today who are bitter at God because they prayed for 38 years like this guy. God heal me and they haven't been healed. I've watched a lot of people struggle and say, well, God healed them, but he isn't healing me. I guess God doesn't care. I guess God doesn't love me. That's poor theology. So we look in on this story. You say, well, see, here's a guy. Jesus cared about him. Jesus healed him. But don't miss the rest of the story. There were a multitude of people who were at Bethesda every day. There was a multitude of people that very day that Jesus walked in And how many people did Jesus heal out of the multitude on that day? One person. Is that because he didn't care about the rest of them? Is that because Jesus loved this guy more than all the others in the multitude? No, because Jesus had more to bring than just physical healing. And that's what we're going to learn from the story. So be careful that you don't get messed up in your theology, and it's easy to do. Because we think that if God is real and God cares, he's going to fix every issue of comfort that I have. I proved it to you before. Remember John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, the called one? 
He did everything right, served the Lord, surrendered his life, was living for the Lord, declaring the the way of the Lord, and even declaring, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And there were countless people whose lives were being changed. And John the Baptist got arrested. So here John the Baptist is in prison, about to lose his life, and he begins to struggle with his theology. Well, if God is, if Jesus is, a miracle worker, if, if Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can get me out of prison. If Jesus is a God of love, he shouldn't want me to die. But here I am rotting in prison. And John the Baptist sends some of his disciples over to Jesus to wake him up. You ever try to wake Jesus up? Apparently he's asleep and doesn't know what's going on in my story. And so he sends some of his disciples and they go, Jesus, we got a message for you from your cousin. He, co- he plays the family card even. Did you know that John the Baptist was a cousin to Jesus? And he said, Lord, are you the one that I thought you were? Are you the expected one or not? What was John saying? John was saying, if you're really Jesus, I shouldn't be in prison. If you really were a person or a God of love, if you really were all these things you preach about, I wouldn't have these issues. Bad theology. As you read through scripture, John the Baptist would not be released from prison. He'd be beheaded and lose his life. Why did he not get released from prison, but Paul and Peter did? Jesus loved them more than his own cousin? No, I can't explain it to you. I don't understand all of it, but I know this. It's more than our comfort, and it's more than our physical reality this lifetime. God has a bigger plan. It's an eternal one, and only God understands that. If you go throughout the rest of Scripture, you'll find Paul released from prison, and yet there'd be another time where he struggled with a thorn in his flesh. He had a health issue, and he'd pray three times, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me. Cammie and I pray often, ever since she was diagnosed in 2014, and to this day she has not been healed. And I'll continue to pray, because I believe God does heal, and God can heal, but I also believe God's bigger than her Parkinson's. And Cammie would tell you the same thing today, that God is doing more in her difficult times than if she was healed of this Parkinson's. Is God just a physical miracle worker, or is Jesus bigger than all those things? He told Paul, Paul, I'm not going to answer that prayer. I'm not going to heal you this time. Although he had intervened on Paul's behalf numerous times, he said, listen, in this one, I'm going to get more glory through your weakness. I'm not going to heal this one. I don't know why. It isn't because God doesn't love us. It isn't because God doesn't heal. But God has a bigger plan. You may not want to hear this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you can write it in your notes. Paul said it this way. He said, it's God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. There are some times in our pain, in our circumstance, in that prison cell, in that Parkinson's, in this issue, in that dark thing in your life, that God gets to shine the brightest if we'll let him. It was in that prison cell that Paul was released from that Paul had a praise party. In the, in the uh, Platorium there, the guards received revival. There were inmates that saw something different. And in that dark moment in Paul's life, the light shined the brightest. He says, it's the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in these earthen containers, speaking of our bodies, so that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of God and not ourselves. 
He said, in my dark moments, in my hurting, in this body, the issues that I will encounter in this earth, it's about God being glorified and his power being on display. For he says this, that even though that great power lives in us, listen to verse 8. He said, but we are still afflicted. Then because God doesn't love us, it's because we live in a planet that's full of affliction. He says, we're crushed. There were Christians that were being stomped out, tortured, and put to death, not because God couldn't deliver them, but God was being honored and glorified through them. He said, we're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but God has not abandoned us. We're struck down and put to death, but they cannot destroy us. And know that, yes, in this body we carry around the death of Jesus, but that, in these issues, these dead things... The life of Christ might be magnified. Can God heal? Yes. Does God heal? Yes. Does God want you to be well? Of course. But he has a bigger plan. In Mark chapter 1, you don't have to turn there either. either. There was uh, great healing that was taking place. Many with various diseases were being healed. And the very next morning, early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left his house, and he went off to a place to pray. And Simon and the guys finally found him, and they said, Whoa, 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 where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. What were they wanting? A healing. They wanted to be made well physically. They needed something from Jesus. And you know what Jesus said in that moment? I want you to listen to this. Jesus responded to them, and he said, Let us go somewhere else. Did you expect that one? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Jesus, you're a compassionate guy. You're a God of love. All these people have great needs, and you're going to go somewhere else? Does that sound very loving and caring to you? Listen to what else Jesus said. Let us go somewhere else to these nearby villages so I can preach there also, for that is why I've come. Jesus came to make us well. But it wasn't just for a lifetime fix. It wasn't just for us to be more comfortable or some issue in our life to just be removed for a lifetime. He came to make you well forever. He came to make the whole person well. That's why Jesus said, I've come. The thief, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have eternal life. Is that what Jesus said? He said, I've come that you might have what? Somebody help me. Abundant life. That means life now. A whole life, a satisfied life, a life that can live even in the midst of the chaos of sin, but can still have joy. A life that once was empty, but is now filled with the love of God and the power of God. And Jesus came to give us abundant life. This guy wanted physical healing. Others at Bethesda needed healing, but Jesus had even more. How do we get our healing? How do, we, how do we experience wellness? Well, look at verse 7. The first step is you have to come to a point to understand you can't fix it. There's an old saying that says, God helps those who help themselves. No, God helps those who surrender themselves. This guy, look at his response in verse 7. You want to be made well? Oh, oh yeah, of course. But I have no one who can put me into the pool. No one who can get me in the water first. Others are always beating me to it. 
I can't get there because I'm paralyzed and I can't get well. That's the best place to start. The best place to start is to make that declaration, Lord, I can't fix it. Lord, I can't make it well. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I can't, I can't get there. That's first base. But that's not where you stay. That's not where you stop. And oh, by the way, if you could fix it, guess what? If you or I could fix our mess, Jesus would have never had to leave heaven. There would never be a cross because there would be a way that we could fix it. We can't. You can't. I can't. Nobody can. But Jesus can. In Mark chapter 2, he was hanging out with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors. While he was eating with them, the Pharisees attacked him and said, why would he eat with these people? Doesn't he know how dirty and unclean these people are? Doesn't he know how messed up they are, how sick they are? He's going to get sick from hanging out with the sick. You remember what Jesus said? He said, hey, it's not the healthy that need a physician. I didn't come for healthy people, which there are none. I came for those who are sick. Not just the paralyzed, not just those who need sight, need to be able to hear, need to be healed of Parkinson's, who are sick with the cancer of sin. For the wages of sin is death. And God so loved you, and God so loved me, and God so loved this man who'd been suffering for 38 years, and God so loved the sinners and the tax collectors that he came to make us well. First base, admit you need help. Second base, make sure you find the right help. Too many people turn to the wrong things and the wrong ways to try to fix the problems, and when our problems get bigger. And this man who could not find what everybody else was finding at Bethesda all of a sudden has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus changed everything. Jeremiah said, heal me, O Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me and I'll be saved, for you are my praise. In Psalm 147, it says that God heals the brokenhearted. Not just the broken pieces, not just the broken people, not the issues of our broken, but when we become brokenhearted before God and we come to that point of desperation of saying, God, I want to be well, all of me, then God makes it well. Well, we've seen how we experience wellness, but what happens when God does make us well? you want to write it in your notes in Luke 17 you know the story there were 10 lepers it was not well for them it was so bad that they were kicked out of their communities they had to live in a leper colony all they could do is live with other lepers other unclean totally blocked out from life and these 10 lepers have an encounter with Jesus as well and what do you think they wanted you think they wanted a a sermon from the preacher You think they wanted to go to church that day. You know what they wanted? They wanted their healing. They wanted their life back. Guess what Jesus did? He healed them. He healed the ten lepers. And the Bible says that Jesus told them, go to the priest, show yourself clean so you can be restored back to your lives. Go and tell the priest. And all ten of them went running because they got their life back. There's some people today say, man, if if I could just get this piece of my life back, if God would just heal this, if God would just do this, man, I'll love you, God. I'll love you forever. Oh, really? Did you know that you could get a healing and still not be well? As those ten were running out to the priest to go get their certificate of cleanness, one of them was halfway there, and all of a sudden it hit him. 
I've just experienced a miracle. I've been healed, but I need more. The Bible says he returned back to Jesus and he fell on his face and he worshiped God and he gave him thanksgiving. And Jesus looked at him and he said, where are the other nine? Didn't, weren't there 10 of you that were healed? Why is there only one? Pick up. Go from here. Your faith has made you, listen to this, well. When you look at that story, there were 10 who were healed. There was only one who was made well. There was 10 that were healed of the leprosy of their skin. There was only one who was healed of the leprosy of their sin. There were 10 who were healed physically for a lifetime. There was only one who was healed for eternity. You see, that one thing you think you need that's going to make your life all better isn't going to make you well. Being right with a holy God and experiencing his holy purpose and his holy call is what makes us well. So question. Do you want to be well? Or do you just want to be healed? Do you, do you want to be well and be able to say it's well with my soul? Or you just need something fixed? Those nine guys may have been happy in the moment, but they were sad for a lifetime and for all of eternity. There was only one who was made well. I wonder how many are going to leave here today. And maybe you got a little something from God. Maybe he opened your eyes to something. Maybe you received something from the Lord in this moment, but you've not surrendered. You've not said, Lord, I want to be well in my physical life, my mental life, and my spiritual life. Yes, Lord, I want to be completely well. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, All of us have issues, thorns in our flesh, challenges in our health, issues relationally, issues in this life. But do you want to be made well? For 38 years, this man suffered, and he kept doing the same thing over and over, and nothing changed until this day when he surrendered to Jesus. And it could be there's somebody here and You've been trying to fix it. You've been trying to get better. You've been praying to God for him to fix it, but nothing's better. It's because God has a bigger plan than just that issue. God wants you to be well as a whole person. And the only way you can become well is to do what this guy did. First admit, God, I'm not well and I can't fix it. And number two, only you can. So God, I give you this life. Have you ever done that? Has there ever been a time in your life where you said, Lord, I need you to save me. God, I need you to change me. The wages of my sin, I get it. I deserve death, but God, I'm calling out for your mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he will. The Bible says if you'll call in his name, you could be saved right now, whether you're online or in this space. Our ministers are going to be here at the front. You can come to one of them and say, man, would you pray with me? I need Jesus in my life. I need to be saved. You need to come. You be the first to shoot out. Others of you who know Jesus, you need to be made well in some other area of your life. Maybe it's in your emotional or mental. Maybe, maybe you're following the Lord from a distance and you need to be made well spiritually again. Not to be saved, but 
be in a fresh walk with God again. Maybe you need to be made well there. Maybe there is a physical issue. Submit that. We'll pray with you right here at the front. We'd love to pray and let God do the supernatural. But only God can do what only you let him do. Father, this is our time where we let you be God. Where we respond to you, holy God, and your holy word. May there be freedom in this place. God spoke into your heart. You got a need. We'd love to minister to you right here, right here at front. Some are already coming to pray. If you need to come and you want to pray here, you come pray. Our staff, you guys make it to the front. Let's all stand together. Alex is going to sing. You can sing. You can pray. You can fall on your face. You can come forward. Whatever you need to do, let's respond to God right now. Alex. Alex.